I was the person who actually knew how to forge her parents' signature to be able to get her out of gym. So, um, hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. This one's radio episode 1080 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey, y'all. Real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you by YNAB. That's the uh, official budgeting software of La Familia de Diz here at uh, Diz Runs HQ. We we use YNAB to keep track of our monies, make sure that, uh, you know, we got money coming in, making sure that we're paying attention to where the money is going out. And uh, I'll tell you what, after all this moving nonsense uh, saga of the last uh, month, month and a half or so, um, whew, money has been coming in and going out. That is for certain. If you've moved in the semi not too distant past, you know how that goes. Um, but YNAB has been great to help us just kind of make sure we know what's what, make sure we've got enough to cover, you know, next month's expenses, things like that. Uh, make sure we're not spending too much on new furniture or, or maybe spreading it out. Hey, we'll get, we'll get the new couch this, this time. And we'll get, uh, this thing, you know, in a, in a, a couple few weeks or maybe next month or a couple months down the road. Whatever the case might be, it's helped. It's helped a lot, uh, keeping us on track, uh, you know, and and spending the money that we need to spend to get the things that we need to get, but not going too crazy, which uh, probably would have happened had we done this move without Wineab. I've talked about Wineab several times. It's it's not a miracle cure. It doesn't uh, invent money. It doesn't. It's not. A, it's not a uh, snake oil in that type of situation. It just makes you aware. And uh, boy, at least for me, and I'm cheap, so there's that. But being aware makes a huge difference and making sure that, uh, you know, the, the, the trend line is going in the right direction. Maybe to make sure that you got enough uh, or that we've got enough to maybe sign up for a race one of these days. It's been a while since I've run a race. Maybe maybe time to take a little racecation. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, I do know as far as our finances are concerned, YNAB has been a game changer for us over the last few years. We've been using it now for three years. And uh, I'd have to say it's worth it. So if you think that might be something that would be helpful for you heading into uh, the fall months here in 2022 or whenever you're listening to this, uh, I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, and I've got an, a, a special little link that helps us both out. It uh, doesn't make us any extra money. I wish it did. But what it does do is that if you try out YNAB by using the link disruns.com slash YNAB, again, that stands for you need a budget, disruns.com slash YNAB, you get the, the standard, the customary 34-day free trial, which you'd get just from going through the regular YNAB uh, website. But if after 34 days, you're like, yes, I kind of like this. I think it's going to be worth it. And you decide to sign up for a subscription, you get 13 months for the price of 12. And I get one extra free month as well. So, hey, you know, it's not nothing. It's not, I'm not getting rich off of it because I'm literally making $0 off it. But it just means I have one extra month before I have to uh, pay my next annual subscription. And, uh, you know, you'll have one extra month as well. So, hey, win-win as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but the big win, at least as, it, as it's proven for Rebecca and I over the last few years, is uh, being aware of where the money's going, stopping some of that that uh, 
you know, piddling away on this subscription or that subscription that you forgot you had, but it just kind of pays every month and you don't even notice it. Uh, and that's, that's not nothing, not nothing as far as I'm concerned. So if you're interested, check it out. Dizruns.com slash YNAB. And now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Today's guest is a lady that uh, I think, and by think, I mean I'm pretty much certain, that I have quite a bit in common with on on multiple fronts. She's uh, a fellow running coach, which obviously I am as well. She's a a Disney fan, has done a few run Disney races over the years as well, which also I tick that box. And uh, she's also a podcaster, which clearly I tick that box since here we are listening to a podcast. So yeah, safe to say there are at least a few areas where we overlap, probably several more. Uh, so I have no doubt that uh, we'll have plenty of things to talk about today. So let's uh, let's get to it, shall we? Let's get the party started and officially welcome Ms. Christine Hetzel to the show. So thanks for joining us today, Christine. Really appreciate it. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me, Denny. I have looked forward to this day where I get to chat and learn a little bit more about you as well. Yeah, likewise. It's going to be it's going to be a good time. And y'all, if you enjoy today's conversation, you want to kind of find out more about Christine, follow along with her, maybe learn about her coaching, whatever, whatever, find her podcast, all those things. Uh, Runwinefinishlines.com is the website. And on social media, on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks, you can find her as well with the same handle, which always makes it easy when it's the same handle as the URL, same handle across all the boards. And again, it's, it's for Christine on Instagram, on Facebook, just search for at runwinefinishlines, all run, one word, no underscores or spaces or dashes or any of that nonsense. Runwinefinishlines on Instagram. Uh, again, as always, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes, uh, links, photos, the whole nine. Dizruns.com slash 1080. We'll get you there today. Dizruns.com slash 1080. Head over to the show notes, connect with Christine, see the photos, all the things as per usual. So, Christine, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a pretty uh, simple and straightforward question that sometimes has a pretty simple and straightforward answer. And sometimes it's a little bit uh, more difficult because there's, quite frankly, there's a lot of good, good options out there. But one way or the other, it's, it's a good, good way to start the conversation, kind of kick things off. And that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? I love this question. I love this question. I love hearing your podcast where you ask this question of your guests because it's such an incredible wide range of responses that you receive and so many great reasons. So for me, it will always be the half marathon distance has my heart. Just enough of a commitment where, you know, it's a little bit challenging. I can get out there. I can get some training in, get in some longer miles, but not the kind of commitment that that full marathon or those ultra marathons require. Basically, I just don't want to wake up at two o'clock in the morning to go for a long run. That's really what it comes down to, friends. No, I totally get it. And, uh, you know, one of those things that we did have in common until just recently, both at least again, until I, until I moved to Georgia, which hopefully is still going to happen as we're recording this still kind of in that rocky, rocky road area, but I think it's going to shake out, but we both lived in central Florida. And yeah, I can totally feel the waking up at two, three o'clock on a Saturday to try to get those miles in before the the heat becomes a serious factor that, you know, you still got to get up early maybe to, to get those long runs in for the half marathon training, but hopefully a little bit more manageable than when you're going 18, 20, something like that leading up to a marathon. Absolutely. That was really it. It was summer marathon training. I think the last time that I did it was training for Berlin. I said, this is it. I'm done. I'm not doing this again. And I have indeed actually trained for marathons since then, but I've stuck to my own promise where there have been no fall marathons on the horizon for me. 
Well, that's that's uh, that's good. That's that's always the problem. At least it, I I feel like I've seen this, or maybe not the problem, but it, it's one of those things that that you don't necessarily think about um, until you've lived it a few times. Where you know you look at the race date and you're like, oh yes, an October race or a November race. Like that's going to be part. Like you know, race weather should be great for that one. But dot dot dot. You know, four or five months in advance. What's the weather like when you're training for that race? And and uh, yeah, for those of us in the South, that. Uh, it's easy to overlook that you're going to be logging some serious miles in August and September. And that, that might not be the most ideal time between hurricanes and just the, the, in the summer uh, to be doing those long runs sometimes. You know, actually one of my favorite runs was though training during, and I am going to give a disclaimer, do as we say, <laughs> but don't do as we do kind of a thing as a coaching perspective. But uh, we had a tropical storm that kind of just came to town here in Florida and decided to hang out for an entire week. And I had to get my training run in. I couldn't get to a treadmill. So going out and running in that tropical storm kind of just felt a little badge of honor of just like, yeah, I'm pretty tough. I can hang. 100%. So. I've, I've had to ask for <laughs> forgiveness from my wife a couple times for sneaking out during a, you know, better to ask for forgiveness than permission sometimes. And, uh, oh yeah, you know, it just, it wasn't that bad, babe. I promise it really wasn't, it, you know, there was no lightning, you know, like the, the trees weren't, weren't bent over. So it was, it was safe, but yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for training in a, in a, in a big storm, you know, and sometimes again, do as I say, or do as I, yeah, do as I say, not as I do. Don't do that folks. But, uh, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, please, sometimes it's what don't you gotta do. That. do. <laughs> So uh, how'd you get started in the sport of running, Christine? Is this something that's been part of your life for years and years and years? Something a little bit more recently? Where'd you uh, first dip your toes in the running water? Oh, okay. Um, I was the person who actually knew how to forge her parents' signature to be able to get her out of gym. (laughs) So, um, hi, mom. Hi, dad. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, So actually where I came to running was later on in life. I think that seems to be something that I hear a lot more like you either in it from the very beginning where you're doing like high school track or high school cross country, or you kind of do it a bit more midlife. I'm that midlife camp. So just as getting older, um, my father had a really serious scare medically. He ended up having um, a pretty severe stroke. He had like loss of all of his speech capabilities and some of his physical capabilities. And I remember kind of just being overwhelmed by the, fear of, is this something genetically that I'm predisposed to? And I'm making some health choices that also will push me towards that a little closer and dealing with the stress of becoming a caregiver. Um, so I took to walking outside and walking took to pick up some pickups, took to jogging, jogging, took to running. And then I felt like I had to train for a 5k and I think the rest is history. I, I think we've all have very similar stories when it comes to that. It all starts with that one mm-hmm. That one training regimen, that one plan where you cross that finish line and then you're just like, I'm hooked. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's, uh, I think a lot of us have, have that moment. Although some of us, it took, it took a couple times. Like that first one, yeah, this was, this was a disaster. Why did I do this? And then, you know, maybe you do a second one and maybe that was a disaster too. Maybe I'm speaking from my own personal experience. I don't know. But um, yeah, at, at some point it clicks. And when it's, when it does, you're, you know, pardon the, the terrible running pun, but you're off to the races at that point. Um what was, you know, so, so you kind of start dipping your toes in it kind of, uh, it sounds like kind of enjoyed it mostly from the beginning. Is that, is that accurate or was it a bit of an acquired taste for you? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think with running it is, I consider it kind of like a relationship where sometimes you have some really great dates and there's other times <laughs> where you're like, I'm never calling that, that person back ever again. Like that's just not happening. So running tends to have that where there's times where even from the very beginning where I was like, 
how do I keep lacing up? Because this is not something that I really actually enjoy. I had such a horrible run. Um, and as a new runner, I think a lot of it was, there must be something that I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like that, that typical of what am I not bringing to the table kind of a thing? Why is it so difficult? Why is it so hard? And now many years later, I realize that, you know, you're just going to have some tougher runs. Um, no, it just was a matter of wanting to continue with a goal that I had set for myself. And I do think that I really did come to love it because I, for me, a couple of things that come to mind that made me help fall in love with it was that I ran outside Mm -hmm. and that first training season was actually during a Florida winter, which is really beautiful temperatures to run in. And it gave me time to clear my thoughts um, from processing all the things that were kind of emotionally overwhelming at that point. So I I do think I took to it, but I have had seasons since then where I seriously thought running was going to break up with me. (laughs) Well, and, and, uh, you know, I I laugh, but it's, it's one of those laughs of, yep. Yep. I I feel like we've all, if you've been running long enough, um, you're going to have some of those periods and and there's going to be times where, you know, it's, it's one thing when it's a one-off run, when you just have a bad, a bad run for whatever reason, whether something you ate, poor sleep, I mean, any, any number of factors that can just throw things off for a day, maybe two. But when that starts to, to drag on, um, and again, I, I have certainly been there, and I'm, I'm sure plenty of folks listening have been there as well. Um, you know, what, what has kind of worked for, for you, Christine? And maybe this is kind of getting into some coaching stuff, which I'm always always keen to, to learn from other, other coaches. Um, but, but what has kind of worked for you to, to kind of get through those, those rocky patches where maybe you thought you were going to break up, but the, uh, the relationship with running was ultimately been able to be saved? Oh, that's such a good one. So I have a myriad of things that, and I believe that it really depends on where you're at with, um, you know, every season in life kind of has a different thing that you may need to help that patchiness. So let me think of all the ways that I've done marriage counseling with running. So some of them were signing up for races that I was very excited for. Um, so when I first started running, I kind of really needed that accountability of having something on the calendar to help me know that I needed to get out there for those runs so that I, the finish line would feel good. Um, cause again, I've had plenty of races that I was under trained for and it does not feel that great. So that has been something that I've used in the past lately though, in the past few years where I've really, um, actually maybe around the time of COVID kind of coming to play, whereas I just decided to take a lot of pressure off of those lulls in my training and just go out and enjoy time and finding like the joy of running and just reconnecting to that childhood joy of, you know, stopping if it doesn't feel great and kind of just walking for a little bit, then picking back up the pace or chatting with friends via chat, like texting my friends Mm -hmm. before we go out for a run and, and sending each other silly selfies along the way. Yeah, it's it. You know, there's there's so many ways to to break things up and and or or you just refresh things. Maybe it's a better way of saying it. To to you know, it, for, I mean, we can get in a rut. It, it happens. And um, one thought I had when you were talking about um, you know, kind of the 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 bless or maybe not the blessing, but the the opportunity of of putting a race on the calendar that you're looking forward to, which can really kind of help help motivate you. I feel like maybe in in, in I would love to get your take on this, Christine. Like maybe that could also be, you know, a blessing curse scenario because, you know, like you said, sometimes if you're having a really bad, bad day, a not great run, like, yeah, walk, take the pressure off. No big deal. Um, but when you have one of those days with a, with a race on the calendar, um, maybe that can almost, I don't want to say backfire, but it can be, it can be a, 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 an added stressor of like, well, shit, like this run is not going well. And like, 
but I need to power through because dot, 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 I have a race in six weeks or whatever the case might be. Does that, does that something that you've ever had to deal with? That's fascinating that you say that because I've actually never personally, well, let me take that back. Hold on. I did have a training season like that. Um, it was for Boston actually, where I signed up for Boston, um, the day after I signed up for a charity registration for Boston or I sent in my application the day after my mom passed away Mm from, um, ALS. So for me, it was like, I have to do something with this grief. And for me, it was just to lace up my running shoes and to fundraise for this cause. So that definitely, um, probably was not my best training cycle from the get-go because it was just such a hard way of dealing with getting out for those runs when I wasn't really motivated. And then I ended up with an emergency appendectomy about, I don't know, maybe 10, eight to 10 weeks prior to the start line. So that one was, I do remember plenty of training runs when I was finally cleared to start running where I'm like, I'm wholly unprepared and I'm probably going to get pulled from the actual course. There's no way that I'm going to clear this race in time. So already going into Boston, not by any chance being um, like a BQ kind of person, I'm a solid mid pack. And then having all of these issues come up, put me to really at the back of the pack. So I was really scared that I wasn't going to cross that finish line at all. So yes, I do agree with you. That could put a little bit of extra pressure. Um, Looking back, because of course, hindsight's always 2020, I likely did need a little bit of that pressure or I could have very easily fallen into a deep, dark cycle of just right. grief. Yeah. So, no, and and I, you know, it was one. I, I don't know what it was about, kind of how you you went right from sign up for a race to motivate, and then sometimes just take the pressure off. And I was like, well, I've never thought about it that way. And I thankfully, I don't think I've ever had that issue either. Like I, and I definitely have done the sign up for a race because that's the only way I'll train situation before. Um, but I could just see that, you know, I don't know, in, in certain situations. No, Um, you're right. I'm actually working with an athlete right now where we're scheduled to chat a little bit later today because she is starting to be concerned that she's got this race coming up in six weeks and she's not sure that her training is going according. Very similar. She just purchased a new home. Actually, she went through building the home and how much of a nightmare that's been and then trying to get in there and then business, you know, life happens. Right. So there is that discussion to be had of luckily a lot of decisions that we make as runners, they're not permanent. That's why I'd rather hurt like, and this is actually a discussion I'm going to have is you don't have to do the race. There's nothing in this world that's telling you that you have to absolutely do that. If it's causing so much stress and pressure where you're going to potentially injure yourself or that it's causing you to hate going out for running, then let's consider a different goal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's, that's something that, uh, as, as a coach, I think I've had that conversation a few times or something similar where it's like, Hey, you know, like, like, you want to do the race. That's cool. But like, not at the, not at the, to your point, And, and I wholeheartedly agree. Not the point where you start to, to either put yourself physically at risk of injury or that you just, you know, hate running because it's, it's this extra, like something we're supposed to do for fun. I think most of us, at least like, unless you're getting paid for your performance, like this is, this is something we should enjoy. And, uh, yes, races can be fun, but if they cease to be fun, maybe time to pull back just a little bit. Absolutely. So I'm curious, what do you tend to do to have a little bit more fun with your running? Oh man. Um, I, you know, it, it, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really even know how to answer that. Like, because most of the time I, I'm very much a, a routine oriented type of person, um, which this whole okay. moving thing is, is obviously blown that throwing you totally off. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. But, um, like, like, 
I'm just kind of at the point now where, where it's just kind of like I get up and then of course, like the dog wants to go like, so my, my dog is my, my, you know, every day of the week running partner basically. So like, like, well, I got a walker, so I might as well run her. Um, and by the time I'm going like then, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get our, we'll get our run in. Um, you know, sometimes the weekends, the long run, especially when it's hot and endless summer, like it's, it's a little bit more of a struggle, but you know, whether it's with a, the, with a running partner, um, which I had in, in Florida, still on the market for one here in Georgia, but you know, hopefully we'll find somebody, um, just that extra little bit of accountability and the, you know, the, the nonsense conversations that you have during, during the run. That's always, that's always helpful. Mix it up, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes hit, hit a, hit a different part of town, you know, even if that means you got to drive somewhere instead of getting in the car, instead of just walking out the door. Uh, but sometimes a change of scenery can work. Um, but for me in the times that I've really struggled in the past, um, I guess it kind of, it's the breakup, at least let's, let's take a break mentality of just like, you know, I'm not going to run for two weeks or I'm not going to run for three weeks. Something like, like I set a, a pretty firm deadline. And for me, the absence makes the heart grow fonder has always kind of been the thing that's worked, the, worked the best where, you know, maybe in two weeks I'm starting to get the itch, but because I told myself three weeks, like, by God, I'm going to wait for three weeks. And by the time that, that third week rolls around, like I am chomping at the bit, you know, scratching at the door, like let's, let's get out and let's go. And that's, that's for me, I guess, thankfully has always been enough to just take that little bit of a break to reset and refresh. Uh, but I haven't had to do that in a few years. So that's been nice too. Like, and maybe it's because I've taken the pressure off, you know, t- kind of to your point, like running is, is something that I've, I'm not as stressed out about my performance anymore. Like I still have goals mm-hmm. that I want to reach, but mm-hmm. like, I'll get there when I get there. And I, I mm-hmm. trust the trajectory I'm on and I just kind of keep on keeping on most of the time now. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. I too have, well, I actually, I guess I'm, I feel a little bit more adulterous in how I phrase it. I usually cheat on running occasionally. Like, so there'll be times where it's like, mm, running, I, you know, we're doing the same thing. So I need to maybe take a break and see someone else. So that's usually when I start to dabble in um, trying little silly fitness classes. And I'm not minimizing them in terms of them being right. silly. All these fitness classes are incredibly worthy of, of your time in terms of getting in that really good cardio session or strength session. But for me, it's more like, what can I go out and have fun with? So I've done anything from like laughter yoga, um, which was really awkward. <laughs> it was actually not a lot of laughing because it was so awkward um, to aerial silks. So wow. there's, there's definitely times where I will just, what can I interject to have a little bit more levity into my fitness routine? And you're absolutely right. That totally brings me back to, wanting to get out there for the run, um, after having a little bit of a break. Yeah. And, and again, you know, like we want this to be fun. We want this to be something that we enjoy. And I think I can speak for most of us as runners that like, you know, not not too many of us are like, I just want to run until I'm 40 or until I'm 50. Like, like I know I want to run until they put me in the ground. I mean, I've, I've said it before, Mm -hmm. they're a little bit tongue in cheek, but also a whole lot of serious, like, like that would be ideal running when I'm 70, 80, good Lord, 90, whatever the case might be. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you look at it from that perspective, taking a week or two off to, to focus more on yoga or the bike or the silks or whatever, like in the grand scheme of things, not that big of a deal, especially if that helps to refresh the sport that I want to keep doing for another 30, 40, 50 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've actually been pretty lucky where I, for a majority part of my running, I never really got I even hate to say the word in tempt the fates, but injured. <laughs> I'm saying it in a lower voice. So you guys know where I'm going with this. Um, but then a, a few weeks after coming back from doing London, I um, dropped a desk on my foot. Oh, and that wow. was the first time that I had to actually be in a forced break from running. And I thought my world had ended. Mm. And if 
anybody who's listening right now has experienced that. I'm sure at some point you've experienced having to take a break. It does really, when I came back to running, it reminded me how much of a gift it is that we have the opportunity to do this because I did actually have to take a full six weeks off. And it was actually advised that I not really do very many other things during that time because of how the break had happened. So, yeah, it's, uh, want to try to avoid those, those times when you don't have the option, but yeah, some type of injury, especially something as fluky as dropping a desk on your foot. That's, that doesn't sound fun. Even, even not even a little bit. Can't say that it was. Yeah. Can't say that it was, but um, yeah, looking back in hindsight, it was one of the most incredible opportunities for me to reassess certain situations. I realized how much I fell in love with running and that actually is what helped me sit down and start looking into getting my coaching certification with the RRCA. So it creating more of a trajectory of my life kind of aligning with what prior to that was just like more of a weekend passion and seeing how I could actually incorporate it into my daily life. So I think that, again, it's so much easier to look back, but when you're sitting in it, it is so hard to be in that break or that lull, but knowing that if you can just continue to be patient with yourself, um, that along the way, there is usually something that will turn around for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You've mentioned a couple times here. You've you've name dropped a couple of races, a couple of big races. I, I, I feel like you mentioned Berlin. I Have I like been you, name dropping here? I feel like you mentioned uh, <laughs> Boston. I feel like you mentioned London. Um, I feel like that's half of the 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 uh, the world majors. Um, and I feel like I saw on the website, I mean, five or six world major medals. Maybe uh, it was like, I guess first of all, how many have you done all six yet? Or have you, I, I know I saw five. What, what where are we at numbers wise on the majors? We're waiting for Tokyo, as a majority of folks are mm-hmm. after the pandemic happened. So I had a great training season, and I was going to crush my marathon personal best at Tokyo. Um, I know it for an absolute fact, barring something fluky and weird. But unfortunately, you know, like <laughs> fluky happens. and weird, like a like a worldwide <laughs> pandemic. That that counts, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So um, that was actually another time where I did take a, a kind of a. I chose to take a break after that because I was so shattered by this race that I had trained so incredibly strong for not being a possibility for me. Um, and I think that's always a really great thing. So yes, I've done five of the six world marathon majors, even though every time that they announce that they're going to add another world marathon major, my heart kind of drops a little (laughs) bit because I'm like, I'll never obtain this goal. Um, but I think that that's such a great one because I know plenty of people that were in my same boat with mm-hmm. races they had been training for. And it was interesting to see how you have to do what's best for you. So for me, it was taking a break. I saw other people who decided to take out and you know go out to their neighborhoods and do virtual aspects of those races. And that's what was right for them to feel like they got their training in. Um, there were other people who may have decided to just kind of spend some time in, in grieving the race that they didn't get to do. And I think that that's an okay word to use. And I'm not minimizing anyone who's felt lost by saying that if you have been training for something and why it's so hard to tell an athlete that maybe you shouldn't do this race if it's causing too much stress, because it is a little bit of grief. So yes, all the way around, that was an interesting looking back as to, so that's how I dealt with it. But so great to know that like, if you have a unique way of dealing with whatever's going on with your training, then it's okay. Yeah, totally. Was so when that, when that happened, when, when pandemic started and, and you missed Tokyo was, I mean, had all five others been done? I mean, was that it? Was that going to mm-hmm. be the sixth star? Oh man. Yep. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be a six-star. I had already sent my email into the Abbott Mm -hmm. six-star finisher folks. They had already confirmed that they would have my medal waiting for me at the finish line. Um, Yeah, I had the entire everything planned. Plus, I'm really big into mental training. So I had spent probably that entire – I trained for six months for that particular race, that entire six months doing a – kind of like a mental training of – living through the run, meaning like I would start at the start line and I'd kind of go through the route in my head and how I would feel and how I would go through the lines feeling super strong. I even like victoriously would put my arms up into the air as, you know, crossing Mm -hmm. the finish line. So I had really physically kind of lived out this race. So it was such a hard turn to, to kind of like, okay, well don't have that. I'm just going to have to put that on hold. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. Um, so, so I, I, not that not that you can guarantee when it's going to happen, but I'm assuming you're still you're still gunning for it. One of these one of these years, get the name picked or or figure out a way to get over there and make it happen. So I have to be honest. I think Tokyo did. They've gotten some criticism from folks, but I think they did a really decent job of trying to make it as easy for people, considering that nobody has, there's no handbook as from a race director's perspective of how to deal with the pandemic. Right. As far as I know, there may be one now, but there wasn't then. So they've held on to most of our entries. And as of right this very instant, it appears that 2023 is a possibility. It's going to be a little bit hard. I'll need to get um, different permitting mm-hmm. and look at different packages and visas. But it looks like it's a possibility, a strong possibility at this point. Good. Well, hopefully, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed and, and all the things that, uh, A, that the pandemics don't uh, don't decide to become a, a more regular thing and, and B, that, you know, all of the logistics and all that. Because, again, you know, it's not like it, it, I feel like there's enough of a logistical issue with going to, you know, wherever. Pick, pick a state, pick somewhere, even across the state that you live in. Like, there's enough logistical nonsense that you have to, to jump through for that. But, yeah, going to literally the other side of the world. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit more of a thing. So hopefully it all comes together for you. Thank you. Thank you. And you're so right. Logistics with races. I definitely do suggest to folks that, you know, for your first time out, these big time races can be a little bit overwhelming. I mean, even a run Disney race can be from there's, I actually feel like the run Disney race is a little bit harder for me to figure out than some of the bigger races because, you do have those really early wake ups. There are so many different facets to it. So I'm curious, do you have a favorite run Disney race that you've done? And maybe um, you've talked about it before. No, it's yeah. Like my favorite one is the, the OG, um, wine the OG. like <laughs> okay, the nighttime the one. Nighttime. Yeah. I ran, yeah. I ran every single one of them and I, I haven't had any desire to go back once they moved it to the morning. Um, it's just like, like not, and it's not that I, I, I mean, I, I'm a Disney fan and, and being local enough that like, it's, it's, a lot of those logistics I feel like are minimized when you, you can just, you know, sleep at right, home and, and roll mm-hmm, out of bed mm-hmm. in the morning. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when, when they moved it to the morning race and added the challenge piece to it, like, it was just like, all right, well now it's just, it's a different, slightly different course, but it's the same as all the other weekends, which is fine. And I, I'll still do a, a, a race here and there, but like, mm-hmm. eh, it just wasn't, it wasn't special anymore. It wasn't the uniqueness. So that's, if, if, if I had to pick which one is my favorite, that's, that was it. Like it was, it was just, you know, starting at night, it actually got cooler as you ran, as opposed to getting hotter as you ran. So, so, you know, right. the longer you're out on the course, the more comfortable the conditions became, um, having Epcot open at night so that you could finish the, the race and then go back in and play around in the parks for a bit. And, you know, you ride soaring with six people as opposed to waiting in line for 60 minutes to ride it with a hundred people. Like that was kind of mm-hmm. nice. Um, yeah, absolutely. so yeah, I mean, you know, it, 
it is what it is, and I understand. I'm, I'm sure that there's lots of economic reasons that they do it the way they do now. But man, it was nice when it was those first six years where it was different. And uh, yeah, yourself, what, what's your favorite run Disney race? Well, Wine and Dine, the nighttime OG race, was my very first half marathon, mm-hmm. so it will probably have a special place in my heart. Um, run Disney. I mean, I love the Princess Weekend. Mm-hmm. I do. I love their new springtime surprise. I'm very excited about that. The Tower of Terror 10 miler is Mm -hmm. just, well, first of all, 10 miles is just such a fun distance as well. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, you know, and, and there's another one that was, was, was unique and was different and was gotten rid of, but I guess with the springtime, there's, it's like a 10 miler now, right? So they they had the 10 miler back on, on track. But again, they didn't do it at the nighttime, which I think is what it originally was. So um, the only nighttime that they had was their 5K Mm -hmm. for the springtime surprise. So I don't know. We'll see if they'll even keep that one. I I am with you. I get why they do it, but it definitely does have a very different feeling. It almost feels more like an actual party versus a race. For sure. Um, Shifting slightly, one last marathon major question, but kind of, or maybe one last, we'll see. Shifting back to that to that topic before we got tangented by Disney, which has been known to happen once or twice. Um, when did when did that the the running the majors goal come on to to the radar? Is that something that again? I mean, I, I don't know what the time frame is. Obviously, it was planned to wrap up in 2020. Um, how long were you into it at that point? Um, it would have been nine years of me pursuing that goal. Wow. So let's see, I started the goal when I crossed the finish line of Chicago marathon. And once I crossed Chicago in these big city races are just, Oh my gosh. I mean, the amount of crowd support is nothing that I had ever really experienced. So I knew that I won it. Well, of course, after I cried from crossing the uh, <laughs> Chicago finish line and then I like refuels because I had the biggest burger possible. Um, then I was like, well, what's next? So I kind of, knew that I would want to do another big city race. And then I started looking into the marathon majors from there. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of, how do I make them happen? And luckily I got into New York next via the lottery. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking which ones else. So Boston, I did in honor of my mother and I got in through London charity as well. And Berlin, I think I woke up at three o'clock in the morning to register during a special registration phase (laughs) they had. So yeah, they've all kind of had, some interesting things. And I have to say, it's really hard to pick a favorite from the majors. Oh, they that was going to be my such... next question. How, you, you, oh, you, you're my cutting God. me off at the knees. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It is the hardest. It will really, if I'm talking to you because you're training, let's say you're say, you know, I'm training for New York City. I'd be like, ah, oh, it's my favorite because there's the Verrazano Bridge and then you come off of the Verrazano and you get to like, literally it's like five miles of just giving high fives to all the kids on the sidelines and the energy is incredible. I hate Queensboro, but the finish line's incredible. <laughs> so that one's my favorite because I'm, I get to relive that incredible like experience of New York city. But if you were telling me you're training for Berlin, that one has so many wonderful things from the friendship mm-hmm. run the day before where you get to run with runners from all over the world, representing their countries and you get to go into the Berlin Olympic stadium for your last lap. And then the next day you get to run this like historic course, of course, where there's records being Mm -hmm. broken as you speak. Um, well, probably like, well, I'm just starting there. I've already broken the records. It's neither here nor there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then you get to finish up going through the Brandenburg gates. I mean, it's just, all of them have such special, um, I think if I had to do them over again, 
and I could only pick one. Oh gosh, that's mean. I guess I would do Chicago because it was my first, mm. I think. But London's so much fun. I would do London too. Gotcha. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll accept that. That basically you like all of them. Um, yeah, that, that's, I do. that's fine. We'll, we'll we'll let that we'll let that pass. Um, but it also kind of sounds like between the between those at least the races that we've talked about the the, the majors, some of the run Disney stuff. Um, do you, do you have a kind of feel yourself getting pulled towards those races that have, you know, 10, 15, well, I guess not even 10, 20,000, 25,000, 30,000 plus people like you know, all these, those majors have so many people in them. Um, do you like that, that big race feel more so than, you know, the races with four five, 6,000 people? Mm, yeah, I do. I do like big races. I love the big energy. I, um, enjoy every aspect of about it except for the logistics. Mm-hmm. So for folks that are thinking of doing those bigger races, I do highly suggest like do your homework about logistics because it is a lot more like New York City, for example, ended up being, I think, a 16-hour day for say, me. That's a 12, 14-hour um, day at least. Yeah, 16, I'm not yeah. surprised that either. Yeah, because I stayed, I ended up staying in Jersey. So by the time I got through the finish line and um, I had read a phenomenal blog that suggested to leave like a bag um, at a local gym. So I showered at that local gym with a day pass mm-hmm. and got dressed and went to dinner and then made my way back to Jersey. It was a, it was a really long day. So there is a lot to that. I like small town, small hometown races. Like I have my favorite small hometown race will probably always be space coast. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm a little bit of a space geek. <laughs> um, so they have a, just a very different appeal, a lot less pressure. Yeah. Like you said, I can literally sleep in my bed, roll out of bed in the morning, just get dressed, get in the car, and then within 25 minutes be at a start line. Mm -hmm. Really great from a training perspective. Great from like if you're looking to really hardcore do a really personal best, that's optimal conditions as far as I'm concerned versus all of those unknowns of Mm -hmm. those biggest city races. Yeah, I I think I've kind of stumbled into that as a coach that like, you know, I've had some some folks that were trying to to really aim for PRs or BQs at, at Chicago or at you know, maybe not so much at New York, but at some of the big, at Marine Corps, at, at some of the bigger city races, even if they're not a major. Um, and yeah, between just the, the logistics, how early you have to get there, standing around, maybe a start, it doesn't start, you know, like Boston doesn't start till what, 10 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, something like that. Um, versus, yeah, if you can have that little local race that starts at 7 a.m., you can sleep in your own bed. It takes you a half an hour to get to the finish line, or I'm sorry, to the start line. Maybe you can even sit in your car until 10 or 15 minutes before the race. You don't even have to be standing around in a corral for two hours. Like, like, I feel like that just sets the table to have, to give yourself the best chance of a good race. Nothing guaranteed, of course, but, uh, something I've kind of feel like I've learned a little oh, bit over the years. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. You're, you're not kidding. It is like, talk about not doing anything new on race day. Well, how many people ever <laughs> right. take into consideration on training that if you are doing like Boston and it's starting later or New York city and you're in a uh, corral that starts a bit later as well, you're looking at how do you figure out fueling for not just breakfast, but potentially lunch. Mm-hmm. Cause you're going to be running through your lunchtime usually. Right. So there's, there's definitely a lot more factors that go into those. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, and again, you know, kind of going back to this, just to having fun, like if, if you're going to, and this is me being an introvert, a small, a small race guy. So there's, there's some bias here. I'll admit that. But like, <laughs> you know, if slash when I'm going to run some of these, these big city races, like I'm not there for the performance as much as I'm there for the experience. Kind of like at Disney. Like I don't, I, you know, I feel like Disney as, as a local can be a great PR type of race. 
but it's also a great time to just take the pressure off, stop for photos, stop with characters, yada, yada, yada. And like, you know, when you're running through New York City or you're running through Boston or, or any of the, the majors or any other big city race, like stop for a picture, you know, to, to have fun enjoy the, enjoy the environment more, enjoy the electricity of the, of the atmosphere of that many people and all the spectators more. Um, and then, you know, get after it harder on a day when there's 3000 people out there and there's 14 spectators and like, that's the day to really just get in your, get in your zone and go Absolutely. as far as I'm concerned. Oh my. Yeah, no, you're, you are exactly what I would suggest to anybody. Like if you, first of all, you're spending a bazillion dollars, mm-hmm. um, slight exaggeration. Cause that's what I do. But only but a slight like a exaggeration. <laughs> You're spending a bazillion dollars. You've traveled. You may be even making it a runcation and you have some family or some supporters along. Enjoy it. Like if you can plan it so that your spectator can come across you during that course, stop and chat with them for a second. I have been known, especially with big races, it's my favorite time to eat food from strangers. So Mm. I'll stop and have like a pickle pop that somebody's handing out or maybe a beer or two that mm-hmm. some wonderful human has decided to bestow upon the folks that are racing. And I think that that's what adds to those big race energy is that it's a one time where you really feel like a community has come together to support this, this little thing that you've been doing on your own. Cause you're usually training alone. You're getting in those miles early in the morning by yourself, or maybe even with a couple of friends, but it's almost where you get to just actually be celebrated mm-hmm. for this dedication that you have put in for weeks and months and maybe even years. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, shifting gears a little bit, Christine here, before we, before we wrap up, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk podcasting, something that, uh, again, another area where we have, uh, uh, some overlap. Um, you've got, Near as I can tell, you've got two things going on right now, right? You've got you've got the true crime podcast, and you've got Sunday brunch with with everybody's friend and and favorite Miss Shelby, who was on the show just a couple weeks ago. Uh, um, she's so phenomenal. Oh, she really is. She really is. But uh, again, near as I can tell, and I've kind of been paying attention a little bit from the sidelines. But uh, Lord knows, I've missed I've missed plenty of things when I'm paying serious attention, let alone from the sidelines. But both of these are kind of new ish endeavors. What, what was, I, I, and I kind of know part of this and, and we can get into as much or as little as you want, but um, what was, what was maybe spurring you to get started in the podcasting world? They're brand baby now. Like, yeah. I feel like they just, I mean, they're, they're not even, they're just being in their swaddling diaper. I don't even think they're <laughs> in an official diaper yet. <laughs> so, um, I had met with a podcast coach years ago and I remember one thing that she told me specifically was you have to just start doing it because mm-hmm. we could meet every week forever in perpetuity and you're never going to feel prepared enough. You're never going to feel like you have all the details enough. Uh, I, I've meant, I don't know if I've mentioned it to you, but I hate editing. It overwhelms me mm-hmm. like to the umpteenth degree, the very thought of editing. I can do just enough to make it sound horrible. (laughs) So there's a lot of different facets of the podcasting world that intrigued me, but also scared me. Um, And I went ahead and put that kind of off on the back burner um, because I looked at other ways to foster my running coaching business. Mm -hmm. And one of them was that I was working with an audio based running app. Um, And so that audio based running app maybe kind of almost feels a little bit like podcasting Denny. And I'm curious how you feel about it because you, you did both as you've done both. Um, but essentially you're in front of a microphone and you get to kind of chat a little bit and work people through a structured workout. And so I think that when I heard that 
app was going to be closing, um, that immediately what came to mind was this app that I love, this community that I love. I'm how do I how do I keep that long run with them? Mm -hmm. Because for me, I actually started running with this app before I started coaching with it. And I always called that community my long run crew. I can muddle through my weekday runs without any kind of problem. I can go out there without music or headphones. Um, I don't usually, but I can. But my long runs, I needed that, like, just I need that voice in my Mm -hmm. ear, that friendliness. So I thought maybe this is an opportunity to really take this thought that I had years ago um, and keep the long run crew together. So that's where the, the brunch comes into play with coach Shelby. And then along the way as well, I had kind of just started a new thing with the running app where um, I get to kind of play with my enthusiasm for true crime. I am one of those people who falls asleep to watching videos about true crime And I was kind of incorporating those true crime cases into some of my classes. So I was like, well, now I have like a full bank of research that I've done for what I thought were going to be future runs with the app. And I was like, what do I do with it? So I thought, I guess this is a good opportunity to see how I can merge this into this world and the podcasting world. So I feel like, and, and maybe this is more of the podcast bias coming through and, and, I'm curious on your take, and maybe you're not quite deep enough into it yet to, to have a, a full-fledged take, and that's okay too. But I almost feel like from from how I understood the the true crime runs on the app to be, that maybe podcasting is almost almost a better method for delivering that that type of of content slash you know the the, the coaching that goes into it as well because you know it's, I don't know maybe it's it's just the binge culture that we're in, but like instead of having to wait till next week's class or till next week's run and maybe you miss one and then you got to go back and try to find it on demand or whatever. Like, like you can just queue up, you know, several episodes in a row. And if you've got a long run, you can do two or three episodes at once, or you can, you know, space them out one today, one tomorrow, whatever. Um, I don't know. What's the feedback then? Is that, is that, am I onto anything or is it just kind of my, my bias of podcasting shining through? You know, I I don't know yet, to be honest. So I'm glad that you're bringing that up. I, have heard from people who are giving me feedback. Um, and I think people are wonderful in providing feedback, but I also think that they're probably hesitant to give me critical feedback. So, Hey, give me critical feedback. I need that as well. But what I've heard is that it seems that people are usually listening to the episodes as they drop versus stringing them together. I could be wrong on that. Um, I do think that for me, I'm, I have, found so far with the true crime one specifically that I have a lot more freedom in how I'm approaching it than I would have um, when we were doing it through the app because in the app you kind of had to follow the right. schedule of right. whatever was aligned that that time frame. So now I get to play with it. So I'm doing a lot of like choose your own adventure where I kind of stop the storyline and you get to choose what you think is going to happen next along the case. And at that point you get to kind of do a couple different things. I'll throw in like you could, if you think it, A is going to happen, do some jumping jacks. If you think B is going to happen, push up on your pace. So are people doing those? I don't know. I'm getting good feedback about them Mm -hmm. though. No, and and that's, that's awesome. Way to be creative on it. And, and I think, I think that, that, as far as the, the binging component, I think that what you're saying makes sense because it, because it's new and because people are already finding it right right off the bat. It'll be curious, you know, six months, eight months from now when somebody finds it for the first time, um, maybe what that feedback is of like, oh my God, I just found this and I've, I, I haven't been able to stop running slash listening to the episodes like bang, 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 bang. Um, 
And then, and then you get to the point, which I've done this with some, or some podcasts that I enjoy listening to, where you catch up on all the back episodes and now you got stuck waiting until next week when the next episode comes out. And that's, oh, that's a whole different bag. I, I have a with. favorite podcast that actually breaks my heart every time they, their season ends mm-hmm. and I have to take a pot. Yeah. I, so I feel you on that. I, I definitely have a binge type behavior when it comes to consuming media. So I am curious as well to see how it goes. And I'm curious. I mean, again, I mentioned earlier, like you have been doing this for so long. Do you have some takeaways that you would share with all of like me, who I'm using a little, I'm swaddling a little baby. <laughs> I'm swaddling a little baby. What kind of takeaways would you take? Uh, would you share, be willing to share? I mean, yeah, I think, I think like a lot of things, um, you know, it's, it, and, and kind of to what your, your coach from back in the day was saying, like, like, yes, you just have to do it. And then you just kind of keep doing it, you know, kind of like running as well. Like, you know, you're not going to run your, your, your best, whatever your, 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 your best mile, your best marathon, your best, whatever, probably on the first attempt. I mean, some people do, but a lot of times it's, it's being consistent. It's continuing to show up. It's continuing to do the things. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I don't know how many, and, and hopefully this isn't some curse that I'm bestowing upon you. I, I don't think it will be, but like how many times I've had folks on, on the podcast that are, that are other podcasters that are still in the, in the early phase. And then, you know, you go to look, you know, six weeks later and it's like, Oh, they haven't released an episode in six weeks. And it's just like, Oh, like, like, you know, and whatever life happens. And it's, 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 it can be a grind at first and it can, it can feel like maybe you're just talking into the, to the void and nobody's listening. Although if you're getting feedback, mm-hmm. that's, that's good. Um, but you know, if you, if you keep, sticking with it, even when there might only be a, a dozen people and it's, it's still a dozen people. That's still not nothing. Um, but then, you know, dot, 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 eight years later, you're like, Oh wow. Like there are people that listen to it and you get the feedback and sometimes you get some critical feedback and it stings a little bit, but, but hopefully it helps you make things better. So, um, I think your attitude is spot on. Just keep, keep doing what you're doing. Keep figuring out different ways to make it fun for you. Cause if it's fun for you, typically that, I feel like that comes through the microphone and people are, all right, much more likely to enjoy listening to it as well. Okay, well, then I love that because I'm going to take that into every aspect moving forward with, and I think that's, that sounds exactly like what I would tell an athlete, just make it fun for yourself and along the way that will help you to build that consistency. And at the end of the day, you continue to, you know, kind of have a little bit more progress as long as you're consistent, as long as you keep coming back to it. So I love that. Yeah, and, and to your point earlier about, you know, if, if there's a race that's really – not that the that athlete isn't enjoying anymore or they're stressed out about like take it off the calendar. Like, you know, if at some point you run out of true crime, which I don't know that you ever will, but if at some point you did, like there's nothing that says you, you have to, you know, you can't pivot or you can't do something different. Or, you know, if you do seasons at some point, which is something I've never really gotten into, I th- we're still on season one here, eight, eight plus years later. But you know, if you ever decide <laughs> to take a, take a, a break for a season for a month or two, like, you know, you announce it, Hey, we'll be back at such and such a time. And then it gives you a chance to clear the decks and come back fresh, which, which, you know, again, like running, not always the worst situation. If that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. Love that. I really do really like that. I don't, is it unfortunate? I think it's unfortunate that that we will probably not run out of true crime, but I could see where I would potentially at some point need a break from it because it's, it it is so, um, the amount of research that goes into each show is quite a bit and it can be a little overwhelming to see those kind of details on humans. But um, yeah, so that that's an interesting one. Along those lines, you know, before we, before we officially wrap up, we got, I know we got to do that relatively soon. I, as per usual, look at the clock and go, shoot, it's already been almost an hour. Um, 
but where where did the fascination with true crime come from? Is that something that's always been part of you know pre running, post running, like whatever? Like when when would that become something that you were really interested in? Always been riveted. I mean, as a kid, I remember going. So I'm a huge reader, and I would go to the local little library. I grew out um, grew up in a little town outside of Lakeland, actually, in Central Florida. Friends, if you don't know where that is, don't worry. It's like <laughs> teeny tiny. So um, the Mulberry Library housed very few books. So I would go in and try to grab as many of like the true crime that I was allowed to check out at that point because I was young and I'm pretty sure there was ones that probably weren't um, meant for me to. And I think I'm just fascinated by the psychology behind it mm-hmm. is really what it comes down to. Like you'll in my podcast, a majority of the times I will stop the, the story to be like, what is it about this? Like, why does this individual feel like they need to do this? And um where along the lines is that kind of mental shift happen where this is something they need to do. So I think that that's actually what kind of rivets me about true crime is just that aspect, the mental aspect, but also the nature versus nurture aspect, because when you do start to research, you start to see like, when does the cycle end? Because it's clear like this individual had some some really childhood traumas occur to them. But if you look at their the individual who displayed that, it was because they had childhood trauma. So it's, I think, interesting for me to kind of just see that. Um, and I've always been a little bit of a psychology nerd as well, too. I'm, I'm just a nerd, Denny. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm just a nerd of anything that I can geek out about. And this is just one of them. For for your fellow true crime nerds, and pardon me for bad podcast hosting, I didn't write down the exact title. What, what is the exact title? Is it true crime? Like what, I'm not even going to try to guess. What is the exact title of the podcast so people can find it? It's Running Scared with Running Coach scared. Christine. That's right. Yeah. And, um, I, that's basically it. It's like you, you may be running a little scared, which may help you with some pace pickups a little bit. <laughs> um, I do try to make it a little bit lighter though, just for my own sanity right. and with the kind of media that I like to consume. I don't generally display a lot of hardcore details. Um, just because you can find that if you want to on the internet, I don't think I need to necessarily right. do that. Right. Um, yeah, so it's, it's very exciting for sure. And uh, again, before we before we wrap up, one one last plug for Sunday brunch. Tell us a little bit about what you and Shelby have going on. So maybe uh, somebody who's not into the, the the true crime type of thing, but is always looking for other podcasts. Let's not kid ourselves. We're all always looking for more podcasts to listen to. Uh, oh my what's, goodness! What's Sunday brunch like? So I have two really um, dichotomous parts of my of who I am. So I've got this true crime, a little bit dark part of myself, the fascination with spookiness, and then I've got this super glittery, sparkly. Disney loving light airy meringue aspect. And that's Shelby. Like that's like <laughs> the minute that I met Shelby, I will actually, I'm pretty sure she might even have a, a message that I sent to her at some point where I was like, how do we work closer together? Because you are amazing. I just, I love her energy. I love her vibe. Um, and that was something that we, we were trying to figure out how we could do that within the app that we were working for within our contract, like how we could, partner on doing like co-coaching on classes. And then again, when the the app kind of dissolved, it was like, well, that barrier of us not being able to work together is kind of gone. So I know that you're still healing from the loss of this community that means a lot to you as well. Is this something that you think that you'd want to work with me so we can try to figure out how we can keep some of the community at least have we're never going to be able to replace the app because there's so many functionalities that this particular app had um, that I know we can't replace, but it was a matter of how do we provide a little bit of entertainment and keep a little bit of that and also find our joy in what we do. So it's time for brunch and it's just a play on, you know, a 
long run with brunch at the end. So we talk a little bit about you also has a more of a structured workout format for those longer runs, but talk a little bit about the, the sparkly stuff and it's about friendship connection and of course running. There we go. There we go. Well, make sure y'all, if you're interested, check them out running scared or what was it? Time for brunch. Is that what you said? Time for brunch. Again, mm-hmm. I should, I should have noted these better than just writing down Sunday brunch, which somehow I had that in my mind, but time for brunch. Um, and running scared wherever podcasts are freely distributed. One last question for you, Christine. Got to wrap it up with a philosophical question. Can't let you out the door without that, but you can make it long. I got, I've got all day. You can make it short if you're ready to get going. Um, but just curious, you know, over, over the years of running the, the ups and the downs, getting into coaching, et cetera. Um, how would you say that, that being part of the running community and all the various forms and fashions has maybe changed you, maybe made you better? What, what have you learned? You can take it whichever way you want to go, but what's, what's kind of the, 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 maybe the, the lasting impression at this point that running has made on your life? Oh, I love that. Um, this is the most incredible sport in the entire world. I wish that we could hand it out for with everybody. Like you graduate high school and you get running like that's like, that's your graduation (laughs) present. And I do know that it doesn't necessarily, it's not what everybody's jam, but for me, what I think my biggest takeaway from running is that as much of a solitary sport as it may be, a lot of folks are likely out for a long run on their own right now. There's still such a connection to our fellow community. And we see that when we come together for 5Ks or we come together for group runs, or even if it's just a matter of popping into a Facebook group page and saying, hey, I need this kind of motivation or this kind of support, or I need this question answered, maybe a recommendation. The community will come together in a way to kind of just help hold you up and prop you up. And, and then of course, what's beautiful about it is that you have the opportunity to do that for others as well. So I think it is an absolute life changing. It takes you outside of your very small world and it provides you a whole new extended family. 100%. 100% nodding along as per usual. And y'all, if you are nodding along and you want some more Christine in your life, runwinefinishlines.com is the website at runwinefinishlines on the social medias. Find her podcast, wherever the podcasts, wherever you're getting them, Spotify, Apple Pod, wherever it is, she's there. Uh, disruns.com slash 1080. Talk about being there. We've got the links to everything in the show notes for today. Disruns.com slash 1080. Make it easy for you. We'll have the podcast connect linked up, although we can't link to every single place, but you know we'll probably link to Apple Podcast. I don't know. We'll link it somewhere, uh, but you can certainly find them just by searching on your podcast app of choice. Christine, thanks for, for making the time today. Sorry, I you know I got a little bit long. I guess maybe you get two podcasters together and it's easy to, to go over the, the hour a little bit. Not that we went that over, but we went over a little bit, but whatever. I uh, hope it wasn't too much of an inconvenience for you. But uh, again, thank you for the, the time today. Glad we were able to connect and chat a little bit more. Um, and hopefully maybe we can do it again sometime as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Denny. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Christine and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's conversation. What was your uh, takeaway du jour? Du jour. Um, for me, it, it kind of came early, although there were several others as well along the way. But uh, the one I'm going to highlight for myself today is the the reminder that Christine had when she talked about running kind of being like a relationship and how you know, relationships, whether it's, it's romantic relationships, whether it's parental relationships, um, whether it's work relationships, social relationships, whatever it is, um, those relationships, you know, they have ebbs and flows like the, the, the relationship itself and, and the dynamics of the relationships 
often, at least in interpersonal relationships, at least in my experience, and it sounds like in Christine's as well, um, they change over time. And that's not a bad thing. You know, it's just life. It's kind of the way things work. And the idea that our relationship with running can and often does do the same thing, um, I think is a good reminder because I think for myself and, and especially now that, you know, I mean, obviously running is something that I still endo- still enjoy doing for myself, but it's also kind of become a little bit of, of my professional life or a lot of it or all of my professional life as well. Um, sometimes I can, I can lose sight of the fact that, um, running doesn't have to be static for me, meaning running doesn't always have to look the same way. You know, there can be, um, I, I kind of hate the word seasons of life, but I mean, there can be different seasons. There can be times when I'm trying to race hard. There can be times when I'm not racing at all. There can be times when I'm running more. There can be times when I'm running less and that's okay. That's okay. Um, because it's not going anywhere. Right. And, and even if it does go somewhere and, and some, someday for some reason, running's not as much of a part of my life as it is now. That's okay. That's okay. We can always get back together. You know, we can always, we can always try it again. Um, or we can, you know, go our separate ways permanently and that can be okay too. And so just, just the idea, I think for me that, that running has like, like it's the realization, I guess, maybe, um, that over the years, over the the decade or so that I've been relatively consistent with my running, um, you know, it's, it's changed. Like, like how it looks has changed what I do, what my prerogatives are, what my, what my goals are. It's changed over the last decade and, and guess what? It's probably going to change over the next decade. Not unlike relationships with my parents and how, how I relate to them. Not unlike the relationship between Rebecca and I has changed over the last decade not better, not worse, but it's different than it was, you know, 10 years ago than it was 16 years ago when we got married 17 years ago when we started dating, right? Like it changes and my relationship with running has as well. And, and I think there's been times consciously or not where I've tried to fight to keep it the same. And maybe that's not worth it. Maybe it's, it's better to kind of let the relationship evolve between myself and this sport. Um, and just enjoy the ride and enjoy where it takes me. So you know, maybe still unpacking that a little bit, maybe still working on it a little bit as well. Um, but that was, that really stood out when Christine mentioned that relatively early in the conversation. Um, and it's just kind of been noodling around in my head ever since. So that's why, that's why it's my takeaway for today. What about you? Something similar, something completely different. Lots of things, lots of ground that we covered today. Uh, if you've got a takeaway that you're willing to share, I would love to hear it at Diz runs on Twitter at Diz runs on Instagram. You can always slide into the DMS or tag me in a post. Let me know what you thought of today's episode. Go shoot me an email, disruns at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to head back to the show notes for today's episode, we've got links, we've got photos, we've got all the things from today. And we've also got that comment section down at the bottom of the page. Feel free to type out your thoughts and your feedbacks, takeaways, as much as you want to share. I'd love to hear it at disruns.com slash 1080, disruns.com slash 1080 to get back to the show notes for today. One last call for YNAB for today. If you want to try out the budgeting software that uh, we've been using for a few years now, and it's definitely been helpful for us, check it out at disruns.com slash YNAB. That'll get you one free month to try it all out. Then if you decide to sign up, that'll get you an additional free month onto your year-long membership. So get 13 months for the price of 12. You also send me an extra month, which I will appreciate and put to good use in uh, as we continue to budget our funds and make sure we've got enough money left over for some fun things like some races and whatnot, whatever else the future may hold. So disruns.com slash YNAB if you're so inclined. Maybe maybe set up a category for coaching. Hire your boy or hire Christine. She's a great coach as well. 
whatever whatever might be the right fit for you is the right fit for you. And that's what's that's what's most important. So anyway, disruns.com slash wineab. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, shall we? If you enjoyed this episode, hit that share button, tell a friend, spread the word. Always appreciate it when you do that. And until next time, y'all be well, take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later.